This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. And good afternoon. Welcome on this Wednesday in the Mile High City. Sandy Clough, Sean Rotar on Mile High Sports, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. You can listen to us at milehighsports.com slash listen. You can watch us at milehighsports.com slash watch. See how easy that is? And, of course, we're available via the Mile High Sports app as well. Our executive producer is the great Danny Bailey, and you can call or text us at the same number, 303-831-1340, 303-831-1340. As we've mentioned throughout the week, Sean is in Las Vegas. He will join us roughly 25 minutes from now. And we have a little bit of a bonus today. Nate Lundy, our grand impresario here at Mile High Sports, We'll also be on Radio Row with Sean. And so today we get two for the price of one. We get Nate Lundy and Sean Drotar reporting from the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Mike Smith, the former National Football League coach, going back a few years with the Atlanta Falcons. Basically, if you look at Matt Ryan, the quarterback, and his career in Atlanta, He was coached for relatively half of his time in Atlanta by Mike Smith and the other half by Dan Quinn, who is the new head coach now of the Washington Commanders. But Mike Smith will uh, be along at roughly uh, 4.40 or thereabouts. Later on in this hour, Judy Batista will join Sean in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll speak with Kyle Fredrickson of the Gazette and talk some avalanche. The Avs on both sides of the Hudson River suffering losses on Monday night to the Rangers in overtime 2-1. And last night, after staging a third-period rally, which has not been exactly uncommon this year with the Avalanche, they ended up falling nonetheless, even after being down 3-1 and tying the game at 3-3 in the final five minutes. New Jersey scored what proved to be the game-winning goal and added an empty net insurance goal to make the final 5-3. So the Avalanche get in their visit to uh, the greater New York, New Jersey metropolitan area, actually in Newark last night. They come away with one point out of a possible four. Not exactly uh, what they had in mind, but they'll be looking to make amends. Still four games left on this six-game road trip, and they'll try it again tomorrow night in Carolina uh, against the Hurricanes, who have been uh, playing reasonably well of late, 6-2-2 in the last 10 games for Carolina. The Avs, of course, 6-3-1 in their last 10 games. And now in second behind Dallas on the basis that the Stars have played fewer games and have the same number of points as the Avs, 68-68. Winnipeg also lost last night in Pittsburgh. So at least the Jets are kept at bay, three points behind, but uh, the Jets, of course, have games in hand on both the Stars and the Avalanche at this point. And if you want to know the point percentages, well, Dallas is at 680, Winnipeg's at 677, and the Avs are at 667. That's how close it is in the Central Division, but... Uh, there is much in the way of separation between those top three teams and the rest of the division. So you would think in whatever order they finish, Dallas, the Avs, and Winnipeg are virtually certain at this point of making the playoffs as the top three teams in every division do in the National Hockey League. Regardless of record, if you're first, second, or third in your division, you're making the playoffs. And then the wild cards come from uh, the two teams who have uh, the best records otherwise within the conference. And right now, for example, uh, you would have four teams, 
from the Central Division, St. Louis being the fourth qualifying for the playoffs, again, as things stand right now. And over in the Pacific, you'd have the top three, Vancouver, Vegas, and Edmonton. Uh, Oilers lost their 16-game winning streak last night, 3-1 to Las Vegas. See, it isn't just Super Bowl action going on. Uh, They were pursuing, the Oilers were, a record, all-time hockey record, National Hockey League record, for the longest winning streak. And it got cut off last night at 16 games uh, by the Golden Knights, 3-1. to So lots going on in Vegas this week, not just the Super Bowl, but Las Vegas breaking uh, a potentially historic winning streak by the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, the uh, Kings, in spite of the fact that they just fired their head coach, Todd McClellan, a few days ago, would be uh, the seventh playoff qualifier. St. Louis would be the eighth in the Western Conference. And uh, back east, it's uh, a little bit different because you have in the Atlantic Division Five teams that would currently qualify, the top three, Boston, Florida, and Tampa Bay. The wild card teams would be Toronto and Detroit. And just the three automatic qualifiers in the Metro Division, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, and at the moment, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, would be in uh, third place uh, in that Metro Division. So uh, there you have it. i give you some impressions of uh, last night's game, which... One of the rare times this year that you could have watched the Avalanche with an ESPN Plus subscription or a Hulu subscription. Was there another outlet, Danny, involved in the carrying of the game? Those are the two that I have, so those are the two. Those are the two that I was aware of. Okay, all right. Uh, I thought there was a third, but in any case, if you subscribe to ESPN Plus, you can occasionally watch the Avalanche because there are certain games, not many, during the course of a season that are designated as ESPN Plus exclusives, which means there's no local TV, no blackout preventing you from watching the Avs last night. Now, if you haven't seen the Avs very much this year, you'd have a hard time believing after watching the game last night that they're 32-15-4 now. They were 32-14-4 before last night. If you haven't seen much of the Avalanche or you haven't seen any of the Avalanche this year, well, you know that they're missing Larry Nashushkin still. He's in the player assistance program run by the National Hockey League and there's no telling when he will return to the lineup. Uh, Sam Gerrard was in that same program earlier this year for about six weeks, and so we are resting on the assumption that that will roughly be the time frame by which Nishushkin is absent from the lineup, and I would guess sometime in early March, maybe early to mid-March, Nishushkin would return. But for now, uh, the Avalanche are relying on the one big line, McKinnon, Rantanen, Druan, and the energy line of Colton, O'Connor, and Wood. They are certainly not getting much, at least when it comes to offensive production, from the third and fourth lines at the moment. And the Avalanche are still quite a bit looser in certain games defensively than they should be. Now, Eustace Annanen started last night between the pipes, uh, I believe for only the second time this year. He gave up four goals in Ottawa in a game the Avalanche won 7-4. to four. And last night, again, he gave up four goals, not including the empty net goal, of course, at the very end of the game. And the Avalanche failed to win. He made 26 saves on 30 shots. Uh, I agreed with what Jared Bednar, uh, the Avalanche coach, said during the course of the game when he was interviewed, uh, I believe, during the second period on ESPN+. He said you couldn't really fault Annan on either of uh, the first two goals that were scored last night. Of course, there was a third goal 
that was off a scramble in front, which uh, the Avalanche seemingly just stood around and watched as uh, the Devils finally got control of the puck and were able to score. And that was a key moment really in the game, although the Avalanche came back, as we said, from 3-1 down in the third period to tie the game 3-3, tied it inside of a minute on goals by defensemen. First, Kale McCarr, and then the aforementioned Sam Girard scored for only the second time this year. And so the Avalanche seemed to be the stronger team at that point and perhaps even likely to get both points, although when you're playing an Eastern Conference opponent, it really doesn't matter as long as you get the two points, whether you get them in regulation or you get them in the overtime or the shootout. But the Avalanche could not get to the overtime. Uh, they got a little bit sloppy. By the way, the two goals they scored to tie the game, both came in four-on-four situations. Or a four-on-four situation. It was a single twin set of penalties called against each team. And the Avalanche, Danny, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you were watching the game last night. They were better four-on-four than they were five-on-four. Four-on-four, there are fewer people on the ice. Yeah, more room for those guys to skate. More room. (laughs) They were the same guys who couldn't do anything on the power play. And I don't know what's happened to the power play. It has just vanished over the All-Star break because I think in the eight or nine games, I think it was nine games, going into the All-Star break, you know how high a percentage the Avalanche had on the power play? Converting? 35%. Uh, they are at 0% over the last couple of nights on the power play. The power play has been abysmal. And uh, John Busagras was doing the game last night on, on ESPN+. Plus, and at one point, I can't remember... Uh, whether it was the first, second, or third avalanche power play. I think it was the second. He said, what are they doing? They're just standing and watching. Either McKinnon or McCarr. Either when McKinnon or McCarr had the puck, the other four guys are just standing. No, no movement at all. And New Jersey just stayed in the box. They didn't have to move. They weren't getting tired. It's the same principle, whether you're talking about hockey or basketball, and especially when you're on the power play in hockey, you want to move the defense. You want to tire the defense out. You want to maintain possession, which they were doing, but you also want to move the defense so you have the benefit of keeping them out there, maybe for the entire penalty kill, and they've got to move around to defend you, but when you just stand, they don't have to move. And when they don't have to move, they don't get tired. The Avalanche scored two goals in less than a minute of four-on-four action to tie the game, and then the game went back to where the Avalanche wanted it for about five minutes. And then... The defense, perhaps the goaltender, too, let them down. Uh, 5-3 was the final. And when you look at this team right now, there are six regulars who for the year now are minus players. Now, I probably like plus minus more than most people do. But I will say this. When they're regulars and the half dozen are people we can tell aren't playing very well. Ross Colton has been up and down, but Danny, would you agree with me? Generally a disappointment this year. Unfortunately, I, I would have maybe to agree with a you. A yep. mild disappointment, but a disappointment nonetheless. A major disappointment, and Colton's a minus one, by the way, is Ryan Johansson, who is minus seven now for the year. 
and he was minus one last night in 10 minutes, 13 seconds. He's hardly playing. They basically benched him in the third period. Yeah, he got a handful of shifts in the third period, but he didn't play very much in the third period. Avalanche mixed up their lines, which Jared Bednar does if things aren't going well over the first two periods. And because he does that, he mixed up the defense pairings too. The line combinations got uh, mixed up. He put Lekkonen, who has really been struggling. And at least Lekkonen has an excuse for being a minus player. He missed 35 games, and he only played 12 before he got hurt at the start of the year. So he's only been back for three or four games. And it'll take some time for Lekkonen to regain his form. But funny how by far for Lekkonen last night, the best period was the third period playing with McKinnon and Rantanen. And to his credit, Jonathan Drouin, I thought, moved down to Lekkonen's spot alongside Johansson and Parise, who got here about five minutes ago. I thought Drouin played just as well in the third period and ended up playing almost 20 and a half minutes last night. Most of it in the first two periods, of course, with McKinnon and Renton, but he played a lot in the third period, even when Johansson and Parise weren't playing very much. The Avalanche were doing a lot of double shifting, and, and he got some time with uh, the top guys even in the third period, and he picked up uh, an assist during the course of the game. So I, I didn't think he played badly last night. Kivi Ranta, minus four, he's a fourth liner. Olofsson, minus one, he's a fourth liner. There's one guy I'm leaving out, and he will be the subject of our conversation at least one of our subjects, one of our major subjects of conversation with Kyle Fredrickson in about 45 minutes right here on Mile High Sports. But coming next, not only Sean Drotar, but Nate Lundy as well, live from Las Vegas covering Super Bowl 58 right here on Mile High Sports. You moved on really easily You found a new girl and it only took a couple weeks Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, Presented by Superbook Sports Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com Here's Sean and Sandy And as we continue, we move out to Radio Row in Las Vegas. Yes, this is Sandy and Sean, but we are merely Sandy Clough and Sean Rotar. We have alongside today the grand impresario at Mile High Sports, Nate Lundy. <laughs> we, we are merely working men. We are, we are, we are not uh, owners, although I don't know, perhaps that will change. Uh, in the coming days, weeks, and months. But anyway, we've got both Sean and Nate. And, uh, Nate, I'm going to start with you. Uh, You've covered many of these Super Bowls before, but obviously never won in Las Vegas. How is Las Vegas different from any other Super Bowl, perhaps, that you have covered? Um, I I would say uh, uh, that it's it's been a lot of fun it's it's busier than it has been over the course of the last few years but i will also say that this radio row to me feels more like what radio row felt like historically right Um, as in six seven eight years ago when um there were uh, you know future draft picks walking around as well as current and former players um, oh, they, I remember talking to Patrick Mahomes before yes. he wore a Kansas City Chiefs uniform official. Yes, uh, you. I, I remember being there with you when we were talking with him off air. And I remember coming away from that interview saying, holy cow, that kid is good. Um, and, and he's got charisma. 
Yes, we knew that too. Yes, he does. He definitely, he definitely does. So you could just, you could feel all of that. So I would say, Sandy, in terms of Vegas, um, I think we've seen a lot of return um, of the prominence of the media center um, and Radio Row. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is, so the the entire area is is packed. Um, there are a total of 175 outlets. What I think is very interesting to all of it is that. Only 52, I believe, of those are specifically sports radio stations. So it shows you the way that <laughs> uh, media has changed right. here over the course of the years. There are a lot of, you know, YouTube shows and, sure. and things like that. But um, so I, I always find that fascinating as we've seen the evolution uh, of the uh, of the overall media and no no radio contingent locally has sent more folks than we did right here at mile high sports that's right yeah we uh i i, I we got it we got we got an entourage yeah yes. yeah <laughs> we, we look we when we if we're all walking together we kind of look like pat mcafee and his boys well, walking in to do their you know here, here's the thing <laughs> bailey and i are the only people in this uh facility at the moment and for most of the day to the point when I came in a few hours ago, uh, Bailey had locked the door. <laughs> Bailey had, had locked the door. And maybe I pressed the combination too quickly or something, but I was locked out. And uh, uh, Bailey was sitting a mere 10 feet away, so he, he came over and, and let me in. And that, that's those were his first words to me. I'm scared to death, so I locked the door. <laughs> I'm the only one in here. I've been the only one here uh, all day. All the rest of you uh, are in Las Vegas, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. But, uh, Sean, from from your point of view, we, we talked about some of your impressions uh, yesterday, but Las Vegas does seem perfect for this kind of game and for this kind of event, uh, even though they've never hosted it before. They've probably done a better job than cities that have hosted it half a dozen times or more. Unquestionably. I mean, I think when you look at the way, I mean, you know, here we are on Radio Row, but but keep in mind, you know, that this massive Mandalay Bay facility that we're in, uh, right next to where we enter for Radio Row, you can go upstairs to another array of event rooms, <laughs> yeah. that, that's another floor up that the NFL doesn't need to touch. Remember, the Las Vegas Convention Center is enormous. Yeah. The NFL is holding literally nothing there for the Super Bowl <laughs> because there's no need. It's a roofers convention. I actually yeah. checked. That's what's happening right now. And they don't, they don't need to worry about it for football. So the, the city's built to handle a big influx of crowds. And it looks like it. Last night, the uh, the get-together from the, the host committee group was at the F1 paddock that they built for the Vegas Grand Prix. Uh, all three different levels of that paddock were designed to be totally different. Uh, some some classic phenomenal cars that were there. Uh, you could actually play uh, play games on the second uh, bands, and, and then it was kind of your uh, your EDM club, which I know Sandy is totally your jam. Oh yeah, uh, and on the third floor, yes, yeah, it, it, you could do all that in one spot, and it was all in just one building. And the, you know they they drive the buses over there, and, and we drove down the straightaway on the track and parked at the finish line. So when Vegas does it, it does it big. One of the things that has uh, surprised me uh, about this uh, matchup is the way, at least as of now, it is generally being perceived, at least from what I've read and from what I've heard, even though the 49ers are slight favorites. Uh, Nate, we'll start with you. Does it make sense that, for example, today, 64 ESPN correspondents weighed in on their picks, 49 picked the Chiefs to win mostly by huge margins? Does that surprise you? Yeah, it, it, but here's what it is, and, and we've actually talked about this here locally, even with some of our, with some of our guests um, that we've had a chance to, to sit down with. I, here's what I believe that it is. Um, and Sean and I were actually just talking about this right before we connected up. Um, the, the, the San Francisco 49ers have the better team. They do. If you look at the 53-man roster, I think... It's a better roster. I think most any NFL pundit would agree that the San Francisco 49ers have the better team. However, 
they don't have Patrick Mahomes. And <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is it, a proven winner, right? Yes, and he is accomplishing <laughs> he is accomplishing things at a very young age that the NFL hasn't seen. Um, and I think the the challenge is, um, you know, the the last two weeks he has been an underdog. <laughs> and he has proven everyone wrong. Right. And so there's also some recency bias, I, I believe, baked into the folks that are picking the Chiefs. But I can tell you, um, uh, you know, Brad Evans and I were on uh, VEASAN last night. Uh, we were asked for our pick, and Brad and I are both in agreement with those 49 pundits, Sandy. He and I yeah. both believe uh, that the Chiefs are going to win. Um, and it's because I just I have learned not to bet against Mahomes. Frankly, the same way that I learned for 15 years, 20 years, to not bet against Tom Brady. Right. Hey, unless he was playing the Giants. It, it, it <laughs> right. might have been a good idea. But. And that's an interesting part of the the equation, too, Sandy, because they lost to the Giants twice, both right. Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin as head coach. That's one of the few pairings in which there are actually rematches. Three times in history yeah. you had rematches yeah. of head coaches and when we talked, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. Chuck Knoll, Jimmy Johnson, Tom Coughlin. But they also had the same quarterback each time. And yeah. it's not only Mahomes, but it's Reed yes. and Mahomes yeah. together. And I think you add that to the fact that uh, in Kyle Shanahan's case, there is sort of that monkey on his back. You know, has he been too conservative? You're trying to shake uh, even the things that back in Atlanta – and in Andy Reid's case, there's there's none of that. There's no concern. You're confident in your team. You're confident in your quarterback. You're confident in your legacy. It, it, we've we asked questions earlier in this run, as Nate alluded to. Well, Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. Okay. Well, question answered there. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to come back a lot. Question answered there. Uh, there really aren't answers for a guy like that. That basically sort of breaks the game, right? I mean, the way Mahomes plays, he sees things that other people doesn't. He can't see. He's, he's accurate. He takes care of the ball. He basically has a mind meld with Travis Kelsey, who is essentially uncoverable. And these guys stepped it up during the playoffs. You can tell the difference. And then Nate alluded to Tom Brady. The Chiefs, and I talked about this before the playoffs began, they're battle-tested. They've been there. They've won it. They've done it. They slept walk through part of the season. They know it's prime time, though. And they've, they've looked like it ever since the lights came on. I agree with Nate. I see no reason why I would pick the 49ers. I'm just not picking against the Chiefs. Uh, I'm not really pushing back here, but uh, I guess in, in defense of Kyle Shanahan, who also had a bit of uh, notoriety attached to him, even when he wasn't the head coach, but uh, the offensive coordinator instead for the Atlanta Falcons, coached by Dan Quinn, and all you have to say is 28 to 3, and people know exactly what you're talking about. They, they, you don't have to identify the teams. You just say the 28 to 3 game. And the 28 didn't win. And every, everybody knows what you're talking about. And I would suggest, and you guys have already alluded to this, that it was fairly obvious that in the three Super Bowls that Kyle has been in, one as a coordinator, uh, one as a head coach previously, and this one. Um, I like Brock Purdy probably more than most people do, but on none of those three occasions has he had even close to the better quarterback. I mean, it, Tom Brady versus Matt Ryan, really? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who had as many open receivers in the last 10 minutes of Super Bowl 54 as Mahomes did, the difference was Mahomes hit his receivers. Garoppolo missed his, including old friend Emmanuel Sanders, and for what might have been the winning touchdown. That might have won the game for the 49ers. And this year, Mahomes against Purdy looks like a mismatch, too. And, you know, I, I understand Mike believed when he was the coach here that he could have won a Super Bowl with Brian Greasy, too. And maybe that was a little bit of excessive pride on the part of Mike Shanahan. And uh, Kyle Shanahan years ago was said to have remarked that he thought he could win a Super Bowl with Nick Mullins at quarterback. So, uh, but but still, wouldn't, wouldn't you guys agree that... Uh, now, Kyle had a chance to get, and John Lynch too, Patrick Mahomes, 
but they drafted a defensive end instead. Of course, the Chiefs moved way up to get Mahomes, but the 49ers, didn't they draft it before that? So in theory, they could have taken Mahomes before the Chiefs made the deal. Yeah, I mean, when you look back at those situations, there's a whole bunch of teams that are kicking themselves. The Denver yeah. Broncos look back at that and look at Josh sure. Allen. Think of the sure. same thing. Yeah. But uh, you brought up the 28-3, to but I, I do think in, in Shanahan's defense, one of the things got that did get answered was in the NFC Championship, and we could say 24-7. Yeah. Which was a halftime score with yeah. Detroit looking like the dominant team and then having the the Niners come back and flip that on its on its head and then uh, Brock Purdy leading a lot of that. So, yeah, I, I, the, the problem is, as you point out, he hasn't had the better quarterback. The problem that a lot of teams have run into in the last few years is that if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, if he's on the other side, we don't care who your quarterback is. Yeah. You don't have the best one because the best one is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. without a doubt. I think there's, uh, I, I think that is really, if, if you're going to tell me and the odds makers are telling us that this is a coin flip game, yeah. that's what they're telling us Yeah. Um, with the way that they have set the lines. They are, right. they are considering this to be a coin flip game. In the National Football League, um, a coin toss game in, for me, the number one factor is going to be who the quarterback is and the number two factor is going to be the head coach. Um, and I, I do believe that both head coaches are very good. I, but I also believe that as much as Brock Purdy has been a good story, um, that frankly, Patrick Mahomes is a bigger, is a bigger story. And, and to talk about the experience, Patrick Mahomes is not just a story. Patrick Mahomes is a novel. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. <laughs> the other thing to think about too, guys, yeah. you, you, you talk about those coin flip games. What else do you look at? It's not sexy, but you look at the kickers. And Jake Moody, as a rookie, has been scattershot. He's a yes. guy that both pushes and pulls field goal attempts. Harrison Butker is a metronome. Just tick, 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 tick. It's on rhythm. He hits everywhere. It's from 55 in. He's money. That's the difference in those close games, too. And you know what? Kansas City might have the better defense, which wasn't the case four years ago. And no. now added to everything else, four years later, the Chiefs might have the better defense. Uh, maybe as it stands today, yeah. Possibly. So yeah, that it, as you like to say, Sandy, when you're breaking down some of the uh, the teams of the standings on form as it stands right now, yeah, tough to say that anyone's playing. Well, better. all Chiefs. all I know is last week the Chiefs spent the week on uh, uh, sessions with the media talking about their defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo being the assistant coach of the year, the 49ers defense spent the week getting screamed at by their coaching staff for not trying very hard, at least in the first half of the NFC Championship game, and have since admitted, yeah, the coaches are right. We weren't trying very hard, hard as that is to believe. That but sounds bad. That, 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 that does bad. not sound great. That does not sound like it bodes well uh, for the 49ers' chances. Uh, I will I will concede that. Thank so, you yep. both hey, Sandy, for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, before we go, I want to um, get a couple of thank yous out because we oh, good. Have, uh, yes. our sponsors are obviously the reason that we are able to do things like this uh, with Radio Row. And there's a couple of them that I want to thank. First and foremost, uh, uh, you know, those of you who know, I, I spent some time in uh, in Texas. I'm a huge fan of Whataburger. I have been for a very long time. Uh, and I'm loving the fact that Whataburger is now in Colorado. And they actually are doing a special uh, pack, a party pack of their water wings for this weekend for the game. Um, less than 90 bucks. You can get it in store. You can get it online. You can get it via the app, but it's eight, nine piece water wings. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, a family size fry. They give you the ranch as well, the forks, the whole thing so that you've got your own little party pack. But I want you to check that out again. Remember you can find it. Uh, you can find it there online uh, with our friends at Whataburger as they begin to come into Colorado. They're a brand new partner with us with MHS and I wanted to be sure to thank them. And then I also want to thank Aaron at your wellness and achievement. Your WAA.com is his website. Um, we all know as we get older, uh, here, here's the thing. Everybody wants to live to be 80, Sean, but they don't want to feel like they're 80. Uh, right. Right. Exactly. We still want to be able to stay younger. And uh, that is what Aaron and his entire team at Your Wellness are all about. Um, I want you to learn more about them. Like I said, go to their website, yourwaa.com. Um, and it, the beauty of it is with the fact you can do these tele telemedicine appointments now they actually can handle clients nationwide not just in colorado uh, but if you want to look and feel better 
your wellness is one of the best you can do. Yourwaa.com is the website. So I wanted to be sure to promote those since they are one of the reasons, reasons that yep, Sean and I here. are here. Um, so Sandy, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, giving us an opportunity to to blab away. Because holy cow, we got you. Know what can I can I give a teaser for tomorrow? Absolutely. Here? Um, our day starts very early. Well, early early than earlier than it has been this week. Uh, we get things started tomorrow with Kurt Warner. Um, we go from there to talking to Trey Wingo. Our great friend Jake Plummer will be with us. Ross Tucker, Neil Smith, Andre. Wow. Um, well, you know, actually, Sandy, we were talking about when we met uh, Patrick Mahomes. You and I met Patrick yes. Mahomes thanks to super agent Lee Steinberg. Lee will be with us tomorrow as well, which is Patrick's agent. Well, it um, isn't a Super Bowl week without a conversation no, with Lee Steinberg. you got to talk to Lee. Um, Steve Largent, the former uh, uh. wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks and went on to uh, uh, be a, a senator, uh, is going to be with us. And then I'm very much looking forward to... Uh, a chat with um, one of my wife's uh, favorite athletes, Demarcus Ware. Right, right. New Hall of Famer, Demarcus Ware. Wow. Right. So it's wow. Tomorrow, it, it, is, tomorrow is packed. Convention packed. of Hall of Famers. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're we're really looking forward to it, and we'll be bringing all of that to everybody. The the stuff here on the radio station, as well as everything, is getting posted up on our YouTube channel, so you can check it out there as well. Thanks, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate Good. it. And when we come back, Sean is joined by Mike Smith, the former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, who didn't get to a Super Bowl during his time in Atlanta, but came very, very close. That's next. And, of course, at the top of the hour at 5 o'clock, we'll be hooking up with Kyle Fredrickson, who is following the avalanche on what has so far been a rough trip with one point out of a possible four in the first two games against the Rangers and the Devils. Kyle Fredrickson at the top of the hour right here on My Eye Sports. Stay with us. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. I'm just beginning. The pen's in my hand. Welcome back to Sandy and Sean. I'm Sean Drotai live from Radio Row in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58. Always great when you can talk to coaches we have with us today. Mike Smith, NFL coach for the Atlanta Falcons for a handful of years. Still, when you're talking about uh, playoff appearances, four playoff appearances in seven years. Uh, delight to get to talk to you, Coach. Thanks for spending some time. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. The and here, Here's actually where I, I kind of want to start. This is interesting. We have seen coaching hires in the NFL start to get younger and younger and younger. When you were hired prior to the 2008 season for the Falcons, you were 49 at the time, still considered very young for a head coach. Now, now you're starting to see the, the Sean McVay impact the world guys, even in their late thirties uh, are, are getting hired as head coaches. But uh, when, when you were hired pretty young. So when you think about when you started and you think about a lot of these coaches that are coming into the league now and, and very quickly being ramped up to speed, what are the biggest challenges when you're a first time NFL head coach and you're kind of a younger one on top of that? What's the, the biggest challenges that are these guys should be expecting? Well, and this is all hypothetical because I, I don't really know, but I can, I can hypothesize what, you know, what the issues may be. I think, uh, and I think when you see these new hires, people are doing this. Uh, there, there's been a trend to hire the younger coaches, but there's also been a trend on the other side where this new tag of a senior assistant, mm -hmm. and it, usually it's an experienced guy, sometimes a former head coach, that takes takes that role on the on this on the staff and i'm i'm sure it's a role that is set up for the younger first-time head coach to be able to bounce you know bounce things off and, and to have somebody in the building to talk about oh when this situation arises what you know what are my options how do you deal you know how do you deal with that kind of stuff and i think you've you've seen that over the last 
uh, four to five years, and it's even more prevalent now. I mean, you've got senior offensive assistant, senior defensive assistant, and I'm really not sure exactly they're not coaching, but I'm, I would imagine that's the, the role they're there to help assist the, uh, the head coach. Yeah, and that it's you're right. That is sort of new as the, the trend is to hire younger coaches. You are trying to give them a little bit of backup and a little bit of help, but it is kind of a nebulous role, right? It's not really refined. Right. Uh, you, you see it in the in the pro levels. You also see it in the college levels. We're out in, in Colorado, where the University of Colorado, Deion Sanders, the head coach, had Pat Shermer as yep. an assistant. Well, it ended the year with Pat Shermer right. as the offensive coordinator, which now he's going into because Sanders had uh, he was in all the meetings. He was comfortable with Shermer. Shermer was comfortable with uh, Shadur Sanders, the quarterback, and now all of a sudden he, he's the OC. So that that part can be kind of strange. Can you can you envision it again, hypothetical? You know, in your role, but let's 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 go, so go to Seattle, right? Where now in Seattle, Pete Carroll has been promoted up to he's got a title, but he's kind of kind of a senior assistant, and he indicated that uh, it was not football people that made that decision. So if, if you're coming in and you're coaching. Now all of a sudden you have a, a Super Bowl winning coach who's in a role kind of above you on the organizational chart, but not really. Um, I, what are the risks there? I think for a, a little bit of, of bumping heads, a bit of a bit of carving out turf. You know who's in charge of what? Is there a concern for that for some of these coaches? I think hypothetically, yes. Uh, you know, I think each situation is going to be di- w- would be different in terms of. <clears throat> If the roles aren't defined, I think it's going to make it easier for there to be problems. I, I, you know, I really believe that. And, and, and sometimes when it's a senior role, it's more ceremonial. Right. And is it a ceremonial position or is, is the coach going to be the senior assistant? Is, is he going to be involved in, in day-to-day decisions throughout you know throughout the team or throughout the defense if he's a defensive senior assistant to 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 assist so it's it's kind of a new new position and it's happening all through the the national football league uh there's actually it's surprisingly uh you know there's agents that are trying to reconnect with old coaches to say hey we'd like to put you with a young you know, a young first time head coach, they really, you know, they, they, they want to sell that, Hey, we're going to hire the young guy, but we're going to have someone that's done it before to be there, to be mentoring the, the younger coach. Uh, and it seems to be a trend that's been uh, happening more and more. It, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Cause you're right. You're there to help the new coach, but what does that mean? Yes. You, I mean, what, <laughs> exactly. What, what, what meetings are you in? Are you, yeah. are you sort of coaching the coach or are you supposed to be there in case he you know, has a question? Like how, it, uh, yeah. Does lack of definition in those roles can potentially be problematic, and we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, we're talking with with Mike Smith, the former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and, and coach, you were a, a defensive coordinator in the league for a long time as well. When you look at defenses now, and obviously San Francisco, when they're rolling, has an explosive one. Kansas City, I think, has really not quite flipped a switch because they do have talent on all three levels. You think of Chris Jones, you think of Nick Bolton, LJ Sneed, uh, guys like that. You know what? All all three levels of the defense. But has defense evolved to a point where offenses are so efficient and the rules are so effective that the primary objective is to limit points and hunt for turnovers? That seems to be what you're seeing more and more in defense. Has that shifted in your eyes? Well, absolutely. I think that the way that the game is played, uh, the way that the rules are set up, it's set up for more scoring. That doesn't always happen. No. No, but I, you know, everybody wants to see the 45 43 game over the, you know, the 10 7 game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the, the excitement of the ball being thrown uh, 50 times in, in a game uh, gets, you know, gets everybody juiced up. And it, it has changed. But at the core, the thing that I don't want people to ever forget at the core, football is going to be about who controls the line of scrimmage. And I think it'll always it'll always be that even though you're you're passing the ball 50 yards, you've got to be able to protect the quarterbacks. And yes, I'm a defensive. I have a defensive background uh, and some people might say it's, it's a little biased, but they definitely the rules have skewed in favor 
of the office. Oh, they have. I don't think there's yeah. a question about yeah. it for the exact points you made. Uh, for the viewer experience, you'd like more points, more big plays, more exciting moments in a world of, of, of social media where people consume things in little 30-second chunks, creating more highlights for the NFL to just put out highlights here and there. That's part of their product. And so it really has changed. When you talk about controlling the line of scrimmage, and I, I agree completely. In the end, football is still, I'm lining up my big guys. You're lining up your big guys. Let's see who wins. Yep. <laughs> and the one who does it the most times probably wins the football game. But if you were to look at at a a Patrick Mahomes, what do you do with this guy? Well, <laughs> it it's problematic if you just look at Patrick Mahomes. There's no that you know as a single entity, he's a, a great athlete. He can create when it looks awful bad. And he can throw the football and, and that's problematic. And then you combine that with the other issues that you have in defending the, the chiefs and the, the tight defending the tight end. You've got to put extra resources into that. So you can't put extra resources into the, into the, into the quarterback. And then you also have to concern yourself with the running game that Pacheco can run the football. He, yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, you know what I, I, he looks like a Michael Turner who we had in Atlanta when you see him running it's shoulder pads and knees, where are you going to hit the guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's violent when he, when he runs. So it's very problematic for a defense to defend that. If you, <clears throat> if you decide that you're going to spy the quarterback and the spy better be an athletic player because right. you can't spy him with one of the guys that usually puts his hand in the dirt. So <clears throat> how are you going to do that? Well, now you're going to take away from doubling Kelsey or getting hands on, on Kelsey. And uh, you know, those, those are big, you know, those are big time problems. And then if they want to just line up and formation you and get a light box, they'll hand the ball off to Pacheco. So it is problematic uh, when you have guys that basically can affect the game at all three levels, and and really they do. Kansas City uh, wide receivers—they've been off and on this season. Yeah, it, you know, it's a, yes, it's been off and on. But the other two, the other two guys in the quarterback that I've mentioned, it's it's problematic, and that's going to be uh, for Steve Wilkes. That's going to be a big, you know, a big issue. And you can flip the, you know, you can flip the. The, the switch and say, well, you, on the, on the 49ers, you've got a, a running back. That's really like a queen on the chessboard. You can move him around and, oh, he can yeah. go, and, and McCaffrey and, you know, he's just as dangerous out of the catching the ball as he is running the ball out of the, you know, out, out of the normal formation. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a really, uh, you know, it's going to be a really good game and it's going to be about, the defensive coordinators, I think, in this game, you know, and I think Steve Spagnola has done a fantastic job with the with the Chiefs in terms of he he is an excellent guy at designing blitzes and 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 pressures that aren't really pressures that are going to he's going to get a free runner, but he's only rushing four guys because he's dropping out somewhere somewhere on the other side of the formation they do he does a great job and that is problematic when you you know you sit there and say well they only rushed four but they had a you know they had a free runner yeah yeah, they had they had a free runner you know and they shouldn't have a free runner when they you know if they rush six and you got uh five-man protection yeah you got a you got a problem you 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 expect that well you talked about isaiah pacheco and the idea that you know he's just just pads he's shoulder pads it's like where do you where do you tackle the guy well uh, you work we've talked a little bit on this program before with about x-tech pads and then you work with x-tech pads and the shoulder pads especially which have uh, gone across the nfl and and become basically the standards for pads in the nfl you know with with uh, the x-tech build the way you can make it you can go to xtechpads.com and even if you're a high school player you can build pads that are custom 3d for your body type and when you when you look at that and you think of the way that that pads were and now what they are. I mean, it's been a quantum leap, hasn't it? Oh, it has. It's unbelievable. I had an opportunity. It's now 12 years, 12 or 13 years ago uh, to see what X tech had, had envisioned. And it just blew my mind. Uh, I was, I can remember like it was yesterday, Bob uh, Roderick through a friend was coming through Atlanta. He had pads in the back of his, you know, the back of his car, uh, 
and you know, coach, can you, can you hook me up with some people around, uh, Atlanta? And I said, well, I know, you know, my daughter's high school, blah, blah. We, you know, we got him in, you know, got him in to see some people. And once you see the demonstration that he does it, you know, it's gotta be the best pad. And now the way that they've been able to, you can customize them and you can go online and do it. It just, it's a game changer. And it's great that it's number one pad in professional mm -hmm. football. And it's, you know, all the colleges, most of the major colleges have it. But the most important thing to me is it's high school and the youth. And that's the next step that X-Tech is, is going through. They're going through it right now. And it's, it's just a matter of time, six months to a year. Uh, they'll have tested the youth pads. And player safety is such a big issue in all football, not just the NFL, right. not just college football. It, it, right, our kids. A, a we serious, want our kids. serious injury. You know, yes. Also, it keeps you in high school. Maybe you're not going to, to college. college. Yep. And, of course, you're talking about it. It's kids. Yes. It's your kids. You exactly. want your kid to be as protected as much as possible. Absolutely. And the, and the, the, the way that you can design, design the pads, and I know they're in Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, the University of Colorado. I know that uh, uh, Coach Sanders, he's got his two boys wearing X, X Tech pads. Um, and yeah. Shadur took a lot of hits. Yes, yeah, still he did. For, the, for the majority yeah, he, of the year, still he, able to He stay took up. a lot of hits and stepped on, <laughs> and he kept on clicking. Kept right. going. Make yeah. sure you check him out at XTechPads.com, X Tech Pads at Instagram. And uh, Coach Mike Smith, of course, really uh, good to talk to you about that, these insights in the way. I, I agree with you. You think about all the stars on offense in this game. But I agree with you. When you look at the way both these teams have gotten there, it is the defenses that are going to define who wins and who loses. Absolutely. And 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 right now, if you on paper, you'd have to say that the that the Chiefs' uh, <clears throat> defense is probably stronger than the 49ers. They've had some bumps in the roads, but uh, people have asked me all day, and I'm and uh, and for the last couple of days, I just got a feeling some it's going to be the 49ers' day. Uh, I really, I really do. It's, it's going to be a close game. And if they, if they can keep possession of the football, which possession of the football is nine tenths of the game. I think they're going to win this Super Bowl this year. Now, people in Colorado wouldn't mind that. Not a lot of fans yeah. of the Chiefs <laughs> in Denver. Although there's a few that remember the 55-10 beatdown that the Niners gave the Broncos, so they don't really love that, but it's a lesser of two evils yeah. kind of thing. Coach, oh, yeah. I know. There's, there's always a lesser of two evils. Right. Coach Mike Smith, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for All having right, me. Thanks. Live from Radio Row, we'll be back, for, we'll be back with more on My Life Sports. Because I need you and I miss you. Now I wonder if I could fall into the sky.